You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. Joy to be here, and what an opportunity to worship the Lord with you guys, and to see how His faithfulness is as we sang, sang the song, and His faithfulness to us through our lives. And um, I have to say that Grace was our first church we ever became members of. We were rebellious. I got saved by a Westland youth pastor, and Laura came to Christ through a Pentecostal girlfriend, and those are the two groups that we were part of, and we found ourselves over here at Baptist Bible College in 1984. I told you I was a little young, anyways. 1984, and this was the first church we became members of, and actually was one of the churches that took us on in 1990 when God was calling us to the country of Italy. And as Pastor alluded to, we've been over there now 30 years. Uh, We arrived in 1991, and God has now planted a church uh, through our ministry there, and we just praise him for what he's doing to have a, an Italian church there in the country of Italy, as we all know, because a lot of us were ex-Roman Catholics, and uh, to come to the saving knowledge of Christ and to be able to carry that gospel message. You talk about a dark uh, country, a dark area. It really is a graveyard for missions and missionaries, Italy is. Um, I call it Satan's playground, but that's another story. But anyways, uh, so we just praise God for what he's done in and through us and, and for your part, for your faithfulness all these years that you've been part of our ministry. And to be able to see it. And now we're, as we shared in our update, we're in a transitional period. We're church planters. We're there to plant the church, to train them up, to bring them into maturity of Christ and turn the work over. And that's the phase we're in. So we asked for prayer in the the earlier hour and we asked you to pray again for us for that. Go with me. If you were in our church in Italy, I'd have to tell you what page number. But go with me and Mark. It was already on the screen behind me. Mark chapter 6, in fact, I grabbed one of your Bibles because I like it better than my version in English. In fact, actually, I'm more used to Italian, so you'll have to forgive my English too. But anyways, Mark chapter 6, we want to read from verse 30 to 44. And as we know, a very familiar story, the feeding of the 5,000, even as it's titled here. Okay, if you're with me, I'm assuming you're, if you're with me, it's 841 page, all right, page number. And it says, where Mark has written, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw, hello, okay. Many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when, he, and when he went ashore and saw a great crowd, and he had, had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away. Go to the surrounding countryside and villages. Buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they say to, said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five, lo- five and two fishes. And when, then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to the heaven and, and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to disciples to set before the people. And he divided them, divided the two fish among them all. Divided, yeah, the, the fish among them all. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish, and those who were eight of the loaves were 5,000 men. As I said, it's a very familiar story. In fact, it's found in all four Gospels. But 
Have you ever thought about when we are born, because we had some infants in here and also in the earlier hour, but when we come out of the womb, we're kind of stupid, aren't we? We don't, we don't really don't know much, and that's the point of coming out as an infant. Lord willing, we grow and mature as we grow in this physical life of ours as we go forward, but as we all know, and I'm sure you're, you're not going to lie to me this morning, but we've all done stupid things when we were kids, right? I mean, we do the dumbest things. I don't know if you've watched some of these videos and stuff, what, the, what we do when we're dumb, right, when we're young. Well, uh, I was about six, six years old. I was just learning how to ride a two-wheeler without, without training wheels. And, of course, you have every opportunity you want or have to get out to try to get on the bike. My mother had asked me to go out and ask, get my younger brother to come in for lunch. Well, I'm only talking from here to probably pastor to go get him, but I decided to ride my bike, okay, to get on my bike and go get him. Well, we had just finished our patio. It was nice and polished, and the edge was nice and sharp. And as I pushed off, guess what I did? Lost my balance. And if you look today, I still have that scar 14 stitches later. Okay, and as we all know, head wounds just bleed like a sieve, right? So I'm bleeding all over, and what a dumb idea. But we all have done, in fact, ask us, right, have you done dumb things? Have we all done dumb things? Okay, well, my beautiful wife, okay, she's wiser than me. Dumbest thing she did was marry me. But anyways, uh, when she was three, okay, she decided, you ever want to know, back in the old days when the refrigerators had the clasp, she wanted to know if that light shut off when the door shut. So she's sticking her nose in there, as the door is shutting to see if the light goes off and get who got her nose stuck in the door. Okay. That's what I said, we're not really too intelligent when we're young. Hopefully we grow out of that as we get older and quit doing dumb things. But as we all know, that's part of it. Well, the point of this is that it's the same thing in the Christian life. Okay? God saved me when I was 28 years old. And we all know we are babes in Christ when we come to Christ. It's a whole new language. It's a whole new philosophy, a whole new mentality. And hopefully as we grow in Christ, we mature in Christ, and we stop doing stupid things like we were when we first came to Christ. And so we have one advantage, though, is when we get saved, we all know that the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and now we have the teacher that teaches us. We have the advocate, advocate that works on our behalf and hopefully teaches us as we learn and walk with God, that we mature and we don't do the dumb things we were doing years ago. Well, when I was thinking about this passage, as I was preparing this stuff, I'm thinking, I wonder what it was like for the disciples to, you know, to be there in those days. I don't know when you read your Bible, if you go back, but we say in Italian to be metodici nel pani. It means to put us ourselves in their underwear, okay? And so... Yeah, that's what we say. Anyways, to be there with Christ as he was walking with them and he was, you know, as they were living with him and running into the ministry and going along with them, you know, what it would have been like to be one of those disciples. And, uh, man, it must have been really great. And we have the tendency, and, of course, if you've looked at any of the paintings of the disciples, they always have their halos over them. Mine's a little starto, as we say in the time, a little, little uh, <laughs> off to the side. But, anyways, we have this tendency to lift them up, Right? We make them something really they're not. If you start studying their life, you start finding out they did a lot of stupid things. That Christ was trying to teach them as he was ministering to them and mentoring them and discipling them as they walked together. And so we find out as we study their lives, they were just simple men like us. They were fishermen, publicans. And we, like I said, we have this tendency to lift them up, but they made a lot of mistakes. They just didn't catch it of what Jesus was all about. They kind of had this idea that the ministry was on them that they were more important than who they were walking with and sleeping with and living with, okay? And sometimes, unfortunately, their conduct wasn't really proper for who they were and who they were with. And as we'll notice, they had an attitude that everything depended on them. And without them, the work of God wouldn't move ahead. 
And sometimes we can have that tendency to think about that too, can't we? That all the ministry is on our shoulders. And especially going to Italy, you know, when you have supporters giving to you each month and you have that pressure behind you and you're thinking, man, how am I going to reach these people? So I got to do something. And being an ex-salesman, okay, for our business, not carrying violin cases, Italian, yeah, violin cases, okay, auto parts, heavy duty truck parts, Okay, I thought everything was on our shoulders. And you can have that tendency to think, man, i got to do something. And to be honest with you, we actually lost the church because after two years we were there, they thought we should have we done a lot more by that time. They dropped us. But four years later, they took us back on again. But that's another story. But the point is, we have this tendency to think that everything's on us. Okay? But what we need to understand is that God really doesn't need us. This is his ministry. This is not their ministry. It's not my ministry. And it's not your ministry. This is his ministry. And that's what ministry is all about, is to know who God is, that he doesn't need us. We need him. And he can do this work without us very easily. And, but he allows us and gives us the privilege to be part of this ministry that he's working in this world. His work, he, he allows us to become a part of that because he has a plan and purpose that he is trying to accomplish using us. He gives us that privilege to plug into his ministry and be a part of that ministry. And as one writer once wrote, he said, if, God, if all God wanted to do was get his, get his work done, he could send angels and they would do it better and faster. But he not only wants to do something through us, he also wants to do something in us. And that's the kind of God we serve, a personal God, a God who wants a personal relationship with us. In fact, in Psalm 46, 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. That's what he desires from us, is to know him and the power of his resurrection, as Paul says. And therefore, we need to understand that God wants that we know him personally and intimately. And as we know him, we serve him better because we start learning his will and knowing his will. Because he wants to change us so that we can all do his will and his work. That is his desire because he has a plan for every one of us. And he wants to transform us. He's the potter, we're the clay in his hands. And he has, wants us to, mo to, model archi, to, to model us and to transform us, okay? And as you, I go through, you'll hear more and more Italian, because that comes easier than, me to, than English. But he's not only interested in what we do for him, but he's interested in us personally. And that's the neat thing about our God. And the disciples needed to know this principle. They needed to understand their role in who he was. And here they were, as in this passage, they had to front this big problem. They had to give to eat now over 5,000 people. And as we know in the Bible, they only counted the men. So we can anticipate there's at least probably 15,000 people out there with women and children. So can you imagine that crowd that was before them? And now Jesus is telling them to give them something to eat. So they're thinking, whoa, mamma mia, as we say in Italian, right? But Jesus wanted to teach them that they needed to depend on him. That it didn't depend on them, that they were nothing. And that it was dependent on him to solve the problem, not for them to solve the problem. And so I believe that it's a lesson for us also to learn, especially when we know the Lord is our personal Savior, is to understand and to have the relationship with him and to allow him to work in and through us and to do and accomplish his will here. But before we look at the three problems these disciples had to face, you know, I wanted to say that, like I shared before, this is the only miracle that is told in all four Gospels. And when you, you have a story that's in all four Gospels, I say it's very important for all of us to learn from. Because that's the reason why God put it in all four. Okay? Because many times he has to repeat to us because we're to start a little hard-headed. Okay? 
And so I know that there's something here. Well, in this chapter of chapter 6, okay, in, cha- in verse 7, it shows where, it tells us where there, Jesus is sending the 12 two by two, okay, to do the work. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. And after, in verse 12, they went out and preached that men should repent, that cast out demons, healed the sick, okay, they're doing all this work. And now in verse 30, where we started our reading this morning, okay, we find now they return from doing the work, right? And if you notice, which you probably didn't understand or realize it, and many times when we read, we skip over, we don't concepire in Italian. We don't conceive, we don't understand or comprehend exactly what we're reading. But if you notice in verse 30, it says that the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all, notice now, I know we're not supposed to be using pronouns nowadays, they, what they had done and what they had taught. Interesting, huh? What they had done. I found this very interesting for two reasons. First, they were doing what we are doing as missionaries, right? Went out to do the ministry, and especially in a foreign country. We minister on the field, we come back, and now we're here to report. That's what we did in the earlier hour, right? To report what God is doing there. Because then second, it hit me is that the words that they referred to, that what they had done. Well, that brought me to thinking about Paul. As we all know, Paul, who was Saul, the persecutor, who got saved, he became a church planter, right? And his sending church was the church of Antioch. So if you go with me into Acts 14, because that led me to go and see what Paul, Paul's attitude when he would come back, like we are doing now, reporting the ministry. Okay, He came back to his home church in Acts 14, 27. And it says, if you're there, keep your finger in Mark, we're going to go back there. But anyways, and when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that who? God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Very interesting, how huh? This contrast of the wording. Now turn with me to, to Acts 21, just a few more pages. Acts 21, this Bible's very new, it's hard to flip these pages here. 21 and verse 19, again, we see him where he's coming back to report. And he says, after greeting them, he related one, uh, one by one the things that who again? God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. Now flip back to the mark with me. So now you see this difference? In verse 30, it says what the disciples had done. And now we find out what Paul comes back and says what God had done through his ministry. And so this attitude that everything was self-centered, that everything was on their shoulders, that's what Jesus was trying to teach them, that they were nothing and he was everything. And they had to learn to depend on him and not themselves, and they were nothing without him. Now go back to Mark there. In verse 31, it says that Jesus realized that they've been tired. I call these guys the first Italian because all they were thinking about was their pancha, right? Italians, I mean, only in Italy, we, we, while we're eating a good plate of food, we talk about food, okay? Because food is everything to Italians, as we know. I mean, how many Irish restaurants do you see out there, right? Compared to the Italians. Sorry to tell you that, but anyways, okay? So he realizes they need rest. They had so much so they hadn't even had time to eat. Whoa, why, okay? And it says now in verse 32, there were many people, right? And they leave by boat, verse 33. And many realize, it says, that they were leaving, right? And so they run by foot from all the cities. And when they get off the the boat, okay, what is there? People, right? Thousands of people again greeting them, right? And my question, how did they know? How did they know where they were going, okay? And I have to tell you, agree with me, our ministry would be a lot easier if you people weren't here. Right? 
I mean, ministry would be a lot easier. You know, it's like the stall. Without the cows, it's a lot easier to keep clean, right? But that's not the ministry. The ministry is people. And so they get off this boat, if you can imagine, right? Thousands of people there waiting for them, and the disciples are going, Mamma mia, we just got rid of them. And now here there's thousands of more waiting for us. And what does Jesus do? He has compassion on them and starts teaching them. You think he's worried about the disciples and their stomach and their wrath? He's worried about the people because that's where his heart was. That's where his eyes were fixed. And, but the question is, how did they know? How did these people know? And I have to tell you that you're looking at another dumb thing I did, even in Christ, okay? I decided to bring a used car over to Italy back in 1991. That was the dumbest thing I ever did. But anyways, well, as we all know, down in Florida, I had a... Uh, um, flatbed <laughs> to put the car on, pulled it up to the container. You know, containers are about this high, right? And he got it in there, got the tank drained. It was a used car. That's what the consul said I could bring over there, right? And now I come to Italy. The container arrives a little after a month we're there. Well, that's the last thing in. It has to be the first thing out, right? Well, like I said, in Florida, it was easy to load up the car. How do I get the car out of the container this high off the ground? It has rubber tires, but cars don't bounce, as we know. Well, how am I going to get this thing off? I mean, we're coming up with that. By this time, we got to know some of our neighbors trying to give us a hand back and forth, but I got to get this car out. So after much convincing, my neighbor gets hold of the Achi, which is the automobile club, convinces them to bring over their flatbed, but we have to make up a ramp because they're lower, da-da. By this time, though, all of this story to tell you, our village was about 3,800 people where we moved into. There was half of those people watching the stupid American-Italian, Italian-American, try to get this car out of the container. And I'm going, how did they know this? Okay, we say in Italian, passaparola. It means word of mouth. And if you haven't realized that that's the best advertising going, well, that's how they spread it throughout the whole town to come watch a stupid Italian-American get this car out of the container. And not only that, I learned some Italian words like piano means slow. Okay, I got it, finally got it out, got it on the ground, and they're all going, they're all clapping for me because now I got this car out. And now it's, it's a Volkswagen, which was built where? In Germany. But they wanted to see this American car brought back into Europe, right? I got all these people around wanting to look at this European car. But anyway... But my point is, how did they know? It was all word of mouth, and that's the same thing here. How did these people know when Jesus got off the boat where he was going? Word of mouth, it spread, and it spreads, and we know what word of mouth does. Well, like I said, Jesus is taken to this quiet place, supposedly, to this needed rest and needed R&R, &R, and there's more people. And I'm sure they're thinking, enough with the people. We're tired, we're hungry, we need rest. But instead, our Lord had compassion on them. Now in verse 35 and 36, we read that <clears throat> now they want Jesus to send the crowd away. The day is far spent. Enough's enough with this ministry. Enough's enough with the people, right? Let's send them away. Well, this same story is in John also, okay, chapter 6. And uh, Philip comes to him and said, what are we going to do with these people? And that's where Jesus turns to them and he said to them about feeding them because he said this because he was testing them because he knew what he was going to do. But he wanted to see what they were going to do about it. Because he's testing them to show them they, their dependency was on him. And instead of realizing that Jesus could provide the need, right, the disciples saw these three huge problems ahead of them. Well, how are we going to solve this? Well, the first problem they had was a crowd. What are we going to do with 15,000 people? I mean, one time we had to feed 285 in our church, Italians. I'm not talking Americans. Americani, we just give them a hot dog or something. No, no, you, you got to go through everything in Italian, okay? You can't. I mean, if the, if the pasta scotta, you throw it out and you start all over again. That's the worst mortal sin you can ever do, okay? 
So they're thinking, how are we going to feed these people, right? And the day's far spent, send them away. He tells them they're tired, you know, they're tired of the crowd. They hadn't rested, right? And as we say in Italian, another Italian word, basta. Bastare means to enough, enough. Especially so you can use it in different ways, especially when we're teaching our kids. You know, if you're yelling at them, disciplining them, basta means that's enough, stop it. Or when you're eating and you go, basta, sono sazio, okay? means I'm full, I've had enough, all right? So I'm teaching you all these things. You don't have to, after you can pay. Anyways, well, as we know, as I said, in Italy, food is everything, right? We use pizza as evangelism, okay? Because that's common over there. Everybody can afford a pizza, so we go out for a pizza to evangelize. But our agape dinners, which are once a month when we do communion, which is BC, as my wife says, before COVID, okay? Everybody, okay, if you know anything about Italians, why if you mix the food together? We can't have everything on one plate. No, 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 we gotta change plates, see? So we start out with the antipasti. Well, if you know anything about anti means before, okay, and pasto means a dish, okay, your meal. So antipasti are many things before you're gonna eat the main meals, okay? So they, of course, the Italians, of course, we gotta pray because we're not Pagani, we're not pagans. So we have to pray now because before they can start eating because they're always, I mean, they're always ready to eat, seriously. Never seen any place like this. So they have to bring out all the antipasti. Those are the salamis and the different breadsticks and bread and all this other stuff. I'm, I'm making you hungry, guys. We're getting to that time. Anyways, that's just the antipasti because, you see, now we're cooking up 30 pounds of pasta in the kitchen. Okay? And, so, and then we have one of the ladies who makes the sauce. And that could be ragu. It could be, you know, any type of sauce, you know, with tomatoes and stuff. And so now the pasta comes out. That's the primo now. That's your first plate. Okay, so now we've got to serve the primo. And, it, and then after the primo, we gotta change the plates, because why, we can't mix the sauce with the other stuff, because now we bring out the secondi, which is the second, which everybody shares, okay? That's where everybody brings their meat. You thought, that's just a picnic? We don't do just a picnic. <laughs> I was watching that, I'm going, only in America. We, even when we do our picnics, it's not just a picnic, believe me. Okay, so anyways, so then comes out the segundo, I really love that video, but anyways, then came out the segundo, right, and so that's when everybody starts sharing, all the, all the ladies are proud of the way they made their segundo, and they all got to go around and share, we're at least 65 or 70, they're eating, okay, and then, that, that's done, now we got to change the plates again, because now we come out with, <laughs> with the cheeses, and the fruit, <laughs> and the nuts, and it just keeps on going, desserts, and am I getting out of the end of the pulpit yet, here are the <laughs> Okay, and then we get into the desserts and we got to go to coffee. Oh, I mean, it just goes on, okay? And Sunday mornings, I'm up at 6, okay? And we're there until 6 at night. And we start eating at 1, right? And sometimes you get to the point going, don't they ever go home? But that's the ministry, folks. They love being together. That's fellowship. That's the whole point of the body of Christ, right? Is that fellowship. That's what distinguishes from the world out there. And... You get tired, per se, but that's the ministry, and that's the culture we're in, and you adapt to it. And that's what these disciples need to learn. And as I want to exhort you this morning and challenge you, when was the last time, especially during COVID, I'm sure there's not everybody would, who would be here normally would be here because of COVID and the fear of COVID and all that they've been doing, and have we reached out to find out when we haven't seen somebody for a few Sundays, how are you doing? See, it's not up to him or him to do that, but all of us. Because just like Dave had said, to fill out the card, even to let us know you were here. Because that's the ministry. And you're all involved in this ministry. That's what Grace Bible is all about, is reaching out. That's what we found when we got here. Exactly what you found. 
was that welcomeness, or we say acoliente. It means you're being brought in. We have people come into our church and walk in and say, ma che acoliente questa chiesa? Man, it's just like it just embodies you when you come into this church. And that's what we bring across too. And that's the ministry, folks. That's all of our parts. And I want to exhort you and challenge you this morning. What part? Especially the, not just greeting here on Sunday morning, but during the week. How much are we involved in each other's lives? What do we do to reach out for the others and bring them in? And I'm going to exhort that just the picnic. Why just the, why just church, ladies for the church? Why don't you invite your friends too to just the picnic? Right? Not just for us. We're not a social club. Invite your friends. Bring more women, not just, and take an opportunity to get to know them and to challenge them with the word. Just an idea. Moving on. <laughs> Enough with the challenge. Okay, just like this morning, right? In verse 37, we see where Jesus was looking. He's interested in the crowd, had compassion on them, told the disciples to give them something to eat. And now the disciples realize their second big problem was money. What are we going to do? We don't have enough money. Even if we had 200 denarii worth of bread, if we had that kind of money, not even that much bread would feed these people. That was eight months worth of pay for these people. Eight months. And they're thinking even that was not enough. And how many times have we thought in our own personal lives, if we only had enough money, right? Especially in the ministry, if we only had enough money, what we could do. But don't we serve the God who has a cattle on a thousand hills? Don't we have a God that can provide all of our needs? I think it's written somewhere, okay, in Christ Jesus. We don't have to worry about it if we're in contact with him. If we allow him to work in and through us, he will provide for us. And I'll give you a perfect example. Who would ever have thought that in the year of 2000 that we would have an anonymous donor, an American person here in America, donate 400,000 American dollars to us? To be able to buy our storefront, which is on the ground floor, 1,200 square feet, and 5,000 square feet downstairs where the church is today. First time in the history of our mission to have that kind of money given. So you think he can meet our needs? And I'll give you one more, okay? Because as I shared this morning, the, we'll see if this, this crowd's awake, okay? Um, the Italian I knew when I got to Italy, or actually before, I had to forget when I came to Christ. Anyways, my wife was fluent in Italian when we got to Italy, so it was easy for her. Okay? I, like I said, the dogs knew more Italian than I did when I got there. Anyways, okay, no Italian. Go with me here. Another dumb thing I did when I got to Italy. Before I left, I went to Kmart down in Florida and threw a couple bikes in. There's biking in Europe, right? Well, we get these beautiful days. If you were in Sunday school this morning or in the time in the morning, you saw our terrible vista that we have from our balcony okay, of the Alps. And the, that's another story. But anyways, we got one of those beautiful days in the fall, and I decided after our container arrived, I was going to go to the next town over where our coworkers were to ride a bike and not take the car. So I told Laura, I said, I'm going to take one of the bikes out of the garage and go. Well, the town we used to live in, either this hill or this hill, take a pick. It was a hill. So as I got to a certain point, I had to get off the bike, and I started pushing because it's really up a hill. And as I'm pushing, I notice in the middle of the road, there's cornfields on both sides, I see in the middle of the road something shimmering. And I'm thinking to myself, what is that? And being an old car guy, of course, I brought my toolbox with me. As I got closer to it, I realized it was an open-end box wrench. I'm 
thinking, and it was brand new metric. I'm thinking, what is this wrench doing in the middle of the road? There was nobody around, not a car. So being an old car guy, put it in my back pocket. Put it in my, my toolbox when I get home. Well, I get to the top of the hill, as we all know, principle, what goes up has to come down, right? So I start going down, and that bike starts shaking. And now you gotta understand, I'm only a month and a half in Italy. No Italian. I don't even know the word chiave, which means the, key, the wrench. It also is a key, but anyways, a wrench. And this thing is shaking, and now all I can see is myself going over these handlebars, and I'm gonna kiss that sidewalk. And I praise God, I was able to get it stopped, got off the bike, and I'm thinking, what's wrong with this dumb bike? I turn it over and realize the nuts on the back wheel had never been tightened. So now what do I need? You guys are smart this morning. <laughs> a wrench, and what do I have in my back pocket? In Italian, chiave. Okay? I have a chiave in my back, and I'm going, I got a wrench. And I tried the first side, just a hair small, flipped it over, guess what? Perfect. Exactly what I needed to tighten those nuts up. And you know what? It was then that God was telling me, Spoto, don't worry about it. I got this taken care of. I got it all handled. You just relax in me. And I needed that. I needed that. Especially to try to plant a church in the country of Italy. And God was already showing himself. So folks, when we start thinking we don't have enough money, we don't have enough things that we can't do, no, no. Start depending on our God and we'll, he'll show himself over and over again. Because you always think that if we only had more, we could resolve our problems, true? But let God work in our lives. And I want to challenge you that, to, to think that way. Especially when you find yourselves with your, as we say, our spale contra muro, with your backs against the walls, okay? That is the time that God will show himself. And that's what we teach our people over there. Just depend on him. Allow him to work in your life and he will show himself to experience his blessings in your life. And I want to challenge you to that, to start thinking, who is your God? Because so many times we make our God this big. And we serve a great God, a creator of everything around us, including ourselves. And that's the kind of God we have. And that's the God that we serve in Italy. And like I said, we have seen his hand over and over again in this ministry that we've planted over there. And look at verse 38. If you get back in that passage, it says, now Jesus says to him, how many loaves have you? And they respond, five loaves and two fishes. And now they realize the third problem. They're lacking resources. Well, what's, what's five loaves and two fishes among so many? What can we do with this? Right? They didn't realize. I mean, they realized that eight months' pay wasn't enough. But Jesus wanted to check their resources, had one of them to check the resources. And realizing, the first thing he said, what are, this, what are these among so many here? And how many times have we looked at we, what we have? Right? What is this among so many? I can remember, God saved me in 1982, okay? Radically saved me. I mean, I went, I was a salesman for our, for our company, and uh, I went from a Tuesday night, going to bed, getting up, being saved now, and just evangelizing all my customers. I thought this was the best thing that could happen to anybody, and everybody should hear this. They thought I fell out of bed and hit my, hit my head. But all I knew is I needed to share this good news, and, and so then three weeks after I got saved, I was passing by the church we used to go to, and I'd spend time with the Lord, and I just knew that. I mean, I was witnessing everybody. I just thought this is what we should be doing, right? I mean, I was going door to door with the church. <laughs> I mean, every, anything we could do. And I came home, and I, after that day of praying with the Lord and knowing he was calling us for first time, full-time ministry, and I got home, and I don't know with Italians, if you guys are Italians, you know, having an Italian wife, you always make sure their back is towards you when you go to tell them anything, okay? 
because you get your head chewed off. Anyways, I mean, she looks mild, but believe me, in 49 years of marriage, she's turned into, never mind. Okay, so she's got, she got her back to me, okay, and I said to her, Laura, I says, I think God's calling us a full-time ministry, and she spins around, and I'm thinking, man, is my head coming off, and she says to me, I've been saved two and a half years, and I've been waiting for you to serve the Lord with you, and now we can serve together, and so that was a confirmation, okay. So now, full-time ministry, but the first thing next out of her mouth, and she goes, I can't be a pastor's wife. I don't know how to play piano. She's worried about playing the piano, right? I mean, because that's what she's thinking. How can I be a pastor's wife when I don't know how to, I, who am I, right, to serve the Lord like that, right? Because, again, not only do we make our God small, but we make ourselves small. How many times we limit ourselves to think, who am I? How can God use me? <laughs> Moi. I told you, I had to forget the Italian I knew when I came to Christ, right? Well, back in those days, the old days, in Canada class, we took a language aptitude test. Okay? Well, they wanted to see what kind of aptitude, what kind of disposition you have to language learning. Well, of course, she got 20 out of 10, right? She always, that's why I was dating her in high school. I cheated, too. That was before, before Christ. Eh? <laughs> Anyways, of course, she got 20 out of 10, okay? I don't know if this number exists, but I got a minus zero. Yeah, they called me in, and they said, uh, we really would not recommend you going to a foreign-speaking country. You should go to an English-speaking country. But you know something? God is the God of miracles, and you're a bullhead. It's <laughs> a bullheaded. So we're going to see what our God can do with you. E chi avrebbe mai pensato che ho predicato, parlato più in italiano che in inglese oggi? Who would have ever thought that I would be speaking and preaching more in Italian than I ever had in English? But that's the God we serve, folks. I could have said, no, I, my language aptitude is not good. I can't learn language. And I'll tell you, it wasn't easy. I mean, like I said, the dogs knew more Italian than I did. I mean, I couldn't even ask where the bathroom was. And all of that goes along with, and look what God has done today. Because you see, that's who we serve. So don't limit yourself. And I want to challenge you that. If you're here this morning and you've been saying to yourself, who, can, who am I, what can I do for God? You can do a bunch for God because guess what? He gives you all the tools you need. When I was studying music, leading music in school, in Bible college, I'm thinking, I don't need this. Well, you're church planning. Church plan, how are you going to lead music if you don't lead the music, if you don't know how to do that, right? And those are the things he equips us with. And the more he challenges us, the more he stretches us, and he transforms us, and he equips us to do his ministry. That's the neat thing about our God. And I want to challenge you and exhort you this morning to think about it. Don't limit yourself just to coming here on Sunday or being a part of this ministry. Is God calling you somewhere? Is God calling you to do a ministry here even in Dunmore? Because like you said this morning, this is a dark place, and it always has been because of the influence here. So what's God doing in your life this morning? How can you be used for him, even in this local ministry, if that's the case? Don't limit yourself. I don't care if you don't have hair, you've got gray hair, you've got dark hair, you've got whatever. Don't limit who we are, because that's the God we're serving, and, and that's what they needed to realize, these disciples. And that's what we needed to realize over in Italy, because like I said to you, how are we going to do this? How are we going to plant, plant, plant this church? But in 1993, I got my hands on when I was discouraged, downtrodden, 
thinking I'm going to throw the towel in, or as we say in Italian, throw the sponge in. Okay, I'm going to give up. And I got handed to me a Bible study that just came out that year called Experiencing God. You may be familiar with it. And the whole thesis of that study is God is working in this world, and our role is to know him and then get plugged into where he's working. Because you see, folks, if we reach hearts where he's already manipulating, where he's already touching those hearts, and we plant the seed of the gospel, we're going to see it grow. When I got hold of that ministry, when I got hold of that philosophy, I'm thinking, oh, that takes all the pressure off of me. This is his ministry. By 1994, we started our first Bible study. Six couples showed up at our house September 24th, knocked at the door at 9 o'clock at night. That's the time we started our Bible studies. We're not, you know, not at 6 o'clock or whatever. You guys are running in bed by the time we get done. But anyway, six couples by faith showed up. And one of those couples was our landlady. The next year, she got saved. That same year, a friend of the Lord met over the phone, at school, over the phone, led her to Christ. And we started seeing things happening. And over time now, we've had over 90 Italians come to Christ and over 70 have been baptized. And only God can do that. And that's what I'm trying to challenge you with this morning to realize, let him work in our lives. Let him do his ministry in and through us. And that's what the disciples needed to do to realize. Jesus wasn't expecting them to manufacture the miracle. That was not his point here. He alone was the only one that could do that. Jesus wanted the disciples to be the distributors of the miracle that he was going to do, to be the participants in it, because Jesus, they were the channels that Jesus was working through. And we as missionaries are the same way. We as individuals and saved in Christ are the same way. We are his channels that he's working through to reach this world. And notice, despite the situation of the great crowd, not having enough money, right? Just two fish and five loaves. Verse 42 says, and they did all, they all did eat and were filled. Here we go. Did you catch that? What that is saying? They all did eat and were filled. You know what filled means in this text? <laughs> that means they couldn't get another bocone in. They couldn't get another mouthful. They were so stuffed, it'd be like a Thanksgiving meal. Guys, support me on this one, right? You get done, and you couldn't put another thing in your mouth, and all you want to do is lay down because you're so stuffed, right? That's what these guys, that's what all those people, all those thousands of people, it says we're filled, okay? <laughs> they were satsiati, we say in Italian, okay? And if you notice, what a lesson for these disciples. Not only were they filled, but there were, as we say in Italian, the best things out there, the avanzi, the leftovers, because okay? there's nothing better, right? Who's Italian out there? You got the spaghetti from the day before, and you put it in a pan of a little olive oil, heat it up, and there's nothing better because it just absorbs. Okay? It's better than the day before. The Avanci are the best. And now we have Avanci here. We have how many baskets? Did you catch that? Twelve. And how many disciples? Ah, oh, isn't that interesting? Can you imagine those guys, each one of them with their baskets? And we thought five loaves and two fishes weren't enough. And not only did we fill these people till they were satsiati, but we have 12 baskets full of leftovers. What a lesson for them, huh? What a lesson to see God's hand at work and to have them realize who they were and who he was. There's a big lesson for us. And that's like I began this whole message with, the fact that he's more concerned with the servant than the service. 
And the principle that Jesus wanted to teach his disciples, what he wants to show us that the Christian life is all about. Of what he wants to do in us and through us to reach this world. Because if you're part today, there's a church planted in the country of Italy who's now soon going to be run by Italians. And it's all been turned over to them, legally and everything. It's all in the church's name. And that's what he, we're trying to teach them over, to have that personal relationship with him and to let God work. See, because it's not what we do, but being with him. It wants, he wants total dependency of us on him. And Jesus wanted to put the disciples in a position to show their, their, their dependency on him, and he does the same thing with us in our lives if we allow him to do that. And in the hard times, that's when he's transforming us. That's when he really shapes us and forms us. Because you see, once we accept ourselves as the distributors of his miracles, okay, and not the manufacturer, we'll experience a wonderful new freedom and joy in serving the Lord. Isn't that true? That's what the ministry is all about, is to let him be God. And I'll tell you that when it comes to new challenges, we won't be frustrated. We'll affront them. He'll give us the tool to do it. And we won't be frustrated when we try to get things to go because they'll go automatically with him. Because you see, when God blesses the work, there won't be a desire to take any credit. Because what we shared this morning, what I've been sharing this morning here, is nothing else to keep our eyes and our hearts focused on him. The spotos are just instruments that God has used in the country of Italy. We really are nothing. And like I said, this ministry will go on. And Grace Bible will go on even when you're an old man. And that's the whole point of the God that we serve. And as has been once said, if you can explain what's going on, then God didn't do it. And I'm here today to tell you that I don't know how it happened. But all I know is it's happened. And all I know is I want to give credit to the one who's done it all. And that's our God. Amen? If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, don't wait. Don't be like me to be 28 years old. Because you've got your whole life in front of you, the sooner we do that. And I want to challenge you that also, to understand who Jesus is. Making himself man. Sacrificing himself for us. Coming off that cross, because he's no longer on it. Being buried and resurrected three days later. To show that he had the power over our last enemy, the Bible says, death. That death cannot touch us. has no more sting on us. And if you're here this morning, I want to invite you to make that decision and put your faith in Christ and to find a whole new life and a whole new experience and to let him work in and through you. So I just want to challenge you with that. Let's pray. Father, we come before you thanking you for your word, thanking you for who you are and how much you love us and how you've given us yourself for us and to be able to know you as our personal Savior, even as we sung this morning, to know that there will be a day when there will be no more tears, no more pain that will be in your presence, seeing you face to face. We thank you for that security. We thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the promise that we know that you maintain your words. And we thank you for all those who are here this morning. And Lord, we want to glorify you in all that we do and say and sing and lift you up and lift your name up, the name that goes above all, every other name, the name of Jesus Christ. So we thank you again for your love and how you gave yourself for us. And continue to bless this ministry. Bless our ministry in Italy. Give us wisdom as we go forth in this transition period that we're in, 
and keep giving us good health to be able to serve you and to accomplish your will. Thank you again for Christ. And we want to ask it all in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.